All right, Galatians chapter 3, and uh, starting from verse 1, and uh, before we uh, start reading the chapter, I just want to give you a brief uh, uh, background of what took place during the last two weeks. So we're uh, on the series in the book of Galatians, we're going by chapter by chapter in this particular series, and so the last, this is the third week, so it puts us in Galatians chapter 3, and so for the last two weeks, we looked at chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, for most of you were here, and some of you I see some new faces, and so very quickly, a quick background of what took place in Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, we know the Apostle Paul is the one that is writing this particular letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. It was not just for one particular church, but it was for all the churches in that region. And so uh, the reason why he was writing this particular letter is that Paul was going around preaching the gospel and planting churches. And so in this region of Galatia, he went there, he preached the gospel, and then he planted churches. Later on, he comes to know that there, are, there is another group of people who are teaching a message that is different or that is contrary to what the Apostle Paul was already preaching. And so he is writing this letter to remind people of the gospel that they first heard, remind people of the gospel uh, that was the good news to them. See, the, the, the other um, uh, a group that was uh, coming around to those same regions was, the, uh, was uh, the Judaizers. The Judaizers would come and preach a different gospel. And Paul says a different gospel is no gospel at all. He says the only gospel that we you and I are supposed to believe in and put our faith in is the gospel that Paul preached, which is a, a gospel that came to him by Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 2, he goes on to establish himself as an apostle. He goes on to establish himself and the right that he has in preaching this gospel. And that's why he says that everything that you've learned so far from the Jewish tradition, from the Jewish law, all of that is well and good. But from now on, there is the gospel that is being preached. And now you don't add the gospel to what you already know, but he says, put that aside and now start living by the gospel alone. And don't try to add anything to it. Don't try to take away anything from it. He goes on to say that even if you hear another person ever come and preach another message to you, or even if I come and preach a different message to you later on, let me be cursed. And then he goes on to say, even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches to you a different gospel, let that angel be cursed as well. And here's the interesting thing. He's writing this to the church. He's not writing it to the heathens. He's not writing it to the unbelievers out there in the world. He's writing it to people who are sitting like you and me in church that morning. And he's telling them, you are being removed away from God or you are walking away from God. Well, Paul, how is that possible? Aren't these people coming to church? Aren't they worshiping God? Aren't they lifting their hands? Aren't they doing all of these things? And, and how can you say that these people that are coming to church are falling away from God or moving away from God? So in Paul's idea, Paul, what Paul is saying is, you can come to church, you can carry the Bible everywhere you go, you can do all the religious things, but if you don't understand what the gospel is truly about, 
then you misunderstand the order of things. In the first week, you guys remember, we talked about the gospel order. So we, we will misunderstand the gospel order. And Paul says, if you misunderstand the gospel order, if you misunderstand what the gospel truly is, you will misunderstand uh, how you obtain and maintain your relationship with God. And, and if you miss that, he says, all the actions that you do don't matter because at the core of it, you are still walking away from God because your relationship is still being affected by this false gospel that you are living in accordance to. Amen? Amen. Now, the other thing that we learned in chapter 2 is that the gospel is not just for head knowledge. That the gospel has to permeate every area of our lives. That the gospel has to affect the way we think, the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we act with other people, the way we treat other people, the way we uh, uh, you know, go to office, go to college, the way we study, the way we relate to our families. Everything is affected by the gospel in our lives. Amen. And so now he in, in chapter three, he starts talking about the relationship of the law to the believer. Amen. And so let's let's uh, uh, um, with that kind of uh, quick background of what took place. Let's let's get into chapter three. And in chapter three, what we're really looking at, we're, we're really looking at, you know, right standing with God and how to obtain that. Okay, right standing with God or being righteous in the eyes of God and how to obtain that righteousness and maintain that righteousness. You know, the Judaizers, for example, said that it is our obedience to the law that makes us righteous before God. Okay, the Judaizers said it is your obedience and, and keeping of the law that will get you right standing with God. But the, the gospel that Paul was preaching, the gospel of Jesus says that it is your faith in Christ that gets you a right standing before God. Okay, it's your faith in Christ versus your, your uh, 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 the, the obedience to the law. So let's say... Uh, uh, Judaizers on one side and the gospel on the other side, right? The Judaizers said it is, e oh wait, O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E, -E -E, to obedience to the law. On the other side, the gospel says, it's your faith in Christ that gets your right standing before God. And this is the, 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 the core, at the core of the gospel message. Because at, at any point, if you think me doing the right thing is what grants me permission to come before God, me obtain, uh, uh, keeping the law is what brings me uh, uh, um, to a right standing or to a right relationship with God, we're missing the gospel. You can be a Christian, you can be coming to church, you can do all the things, but you're missing the point of God's love and the grace that, that has been uh, poured out over you and over me. And the gift of righteousness that has been given to you and to me. See, if, we, if, if this is the point, then it is the, the grace of God ceases to be a gift in our life. Right? See, how can you and I have forgiveness of sins? It is simply the gift of God. You don't earn forgiveness, right? See, in the same way, how can you have a relationship with a holy God? You, you know, we talked about in the Old Testament, even the priests would go in fear and trembling, and some of them would not return. Some of them would die in the holies of holies. That's the holiness and the righteousness of God. That's the awesomeness of God. We are so far away removed from the glory of God. 
And yet, how is it? And, and so when we say it is the obedience of the law that gets us right standing before God, we are saying, I can earn my way towards God. And the point of the gospel is, no, you cannot earn your way. It is impossible for you to earn your way. The only thing that you can do is, I'm giving you the gift, God says, and you say, I received the gift. Thank you for the gift. Are you getting it? That's the, that's, the, that's the difference. And when you say, no, it is because of what I can do, you, you don't understand the greatness of God. You think it is as easy as you. See, some of you guys are working in great companies around here. It's hard for you to get an appointment with your CEO. Right? And you think you can just get before God and have an appointment with God, maintain a great relationship with God because of how good you are? It's not, it doesn't work, right? And so that, that understanding has to permeate every area of our life. And only then will we see the grace of God as a gift of God in our lives and we will see the things that God does for us as a gift rather than a reward for the things that we are doing in our lives. Amen? Amen. So, so the gospel says righteousness or uh, right standing before God is only possible through Christ Jesus. Now, here, here's one of the things, whether you're a Christian, whether you are uh, come from a different background, I, I think as long as you're a human being on this earth, I believe we, we can all agree on two things. Number one, we can all agree that human beings in, in, in general, we are sinful people. You know, even the atheist says there are certain things that we do that are wrong. Nobody says everything that we do is right. So everyone believes that there is sin. Right? And that we are sinful by nature. Now, number two, we also believe that, they, they, you know, uh, that nobody is perfect. I don't think anyone will say, I'm perfect, or, or anyone else will say, that person is perfect. There's none perfect. So, in the human condition, if we are sinful, and if we are not perfect, what's the solution to the human condition? See, if we ourselves are agreeing to the fact that, yes, we are sinful. Doesn't matter what faith you come from, doesn't matter what you believe, but you still believe that you are sinful. Now, if you say you are sinful, and at the same time you say you are not perfect, well, what is the solution for you to have a right standing before God? You know, so whatever concept you have of God, right? You're saying, if you say there is such a being as God, that means he's all-powerful. That means he has to be righteous. He has to be holy, right? That's what makes God, God, right? That's what makes us not God, that we are not those things in our own strength. And so that's what separates us from God. And so whoever you think God is, you're saying God is holy, God is righteous, God is all-powerful. And at the same time, you are acknowledging, I am sinful and I am, a, I am not perfect. I, every day I find myself doing things that I don't want to do and the things that I should be doing, I see myself that I don't do those things. The struggle that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. And so we, we, uh, we uh, agree to that. And if we agree to that, then the question is, well, so how are we as imperfect people, imperfect human beings, supposed to have a relationship with God who is supposed to be perfect? And so the, the, the solution for that is the gospel. See, for every other worldview, every other system says, well, you do some sacrifice, you do some good works, and then you can earn your way up there. And every system that says that has a very low view of God. 
But when you understand the true nature of God, the, the, the holiness, the righteousness, and, and, uh, uh, and, and for who God truly is, then the gospel becomes the solution that God has sent into this world as, as, uh, uh, to help us in our human condition. So God says, uh, Jesus is the solution. Right. For, so what is the solution for the imperfect, sinful uh, uh, human beings and the human nature? Jesus is the solution that we need. So Galatians chapter uh, 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 three and verse one, it says, oh, foolish Galatians. OK. Who has cast an evil spell on you for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as uh, uh, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Again, so. So far, he has established his, uh, um, you know, authority and he's talked about the gospel. And now he comes back to the Galatians and he says, why, what is happening? Why are you mo being moved away from the gospel? Then he, he asks some rhetorical questions. In verse 2, he says, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. In other words, you believe the gospel. That's the way you got the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, so, okay, now you're going back to the law. Who, oh, foolish Galatians. He's saying, who has bewitched you? Who has cast an evil spell upon you that you got saved by listening to the gospel? You got saved and you, uh, uh, by listening to the truth that Jesus loves you and that he died for you and that he can forgive you of your sins. You heard the gospel that the salvation from God is a gift of God. Now, you, why are you trying to maintain your salvation by keeping the law? He says, how did you earn uh, or how did you receive the Holy Spirit in your life? Is it because you lived a perfect life and then the Holy Spirit came to you? He says, no, of course not. It wasn't because you obeyed the law, but because you believed the message that was preached. Verse 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? See, verse 3, what he's saying is, he says, uh, um, uh, after starting your lives in the spirit, that means when you were born again, it was a thing of the spirit, not of the flesh. It's not like uh, you went and you climbed the wall and then you got salvation. It's not like you took a dip in the water and you got salvation. No, it was not based on your action. It was simply by you placing your faith in Christ and in the spirit, you were saved. You received salvation. So he says, you started your journey as a Christian in the spirit, not by your works. Now, why are you going back to the flesh to maintain? What, what was he specifically talking about? He was specifically talking about men being circumcised there, right? So he's saying, men, wh what's wrong with you? You guys got saved by the spirit. You listen to the gospel. Now, why are you listening to these Judaizers that say you need to be circumcised? So what started in the, uh, in the spirit, why are you now trying to finish or maintain through the works of the flesh, right? Now, today, we don't try to maintain it through circumcision or, or, or that's not the issue that we are dealing with today. What we try to deal with is, you know, the, the, sometimes the gospel that is preached is, okay, Jesus has saved you. Now you have to maintain your salvation by doing all the religious things. Right now, you have to maintain your salvation by fasting and praying, by you know uh, 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 coming to church and not missing the church, or uh, uh, volunteering in the church and doing all of those things. Now, all of those things are good. 
I asked several of you to volunteer and be a part of the team. So I'm not saying, but, but, but you're not doing that to maintain your salvation. You understand that? You're not reading your Bible to maintain salvation. You are, uh, the reason why I ask you guys or some of you to volunteer, especially the young people, is because you are being planted in the house of God by doing that. You are putting roots in your life that will help you in the days to come. You are just being wise with the time that God has given you. You're being a good steward of the time and the resources that God has given you. That's why you volunteer. That's why you give to church. That's why you give to the poor. That's why you do all the things that the Bible tells you to do. But you don't do any of those things to maintain your salvation are you getting that it is simply a gift of God now and then he goes on to say uh, uh, verse uh, uh, 4 have you experienced so much for nothing he, uh, and when he talks about that he's talking about persecution right because the early church was being persecuted for the message they believed in and he says don't you remember all the persecution that we've gone through is that all for nothing that you're going back to the same old stuff that's what's happening here. Then in verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and the working of miracles among you because you obey the law? Now here's, this is important. He's saying, does God give you the Holy Spirit and the working of miracles because you obey the law? I've, I've been in church meetings, I've heard preaching that was done where someone would come and, 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 and they're believing God for a healing. They're believing God for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in their lives. They're believing God to be infilled by the Holy Spirit. And I've seen certain cases where people would say, uh, you need to first stop smoking, and then the Holy Spirit will come. You need to first stop drinking, and then the Holy... You need to first stop watching movies, then the whatever will happen will happen. And here's the thing. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit is gentle, but the Holy Spirit is not weak. The Holy Spirit is gentle, but the Holy Spirit is not fearful. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of alcohol. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of a little cigarette smoke. Here's the, when, when we say that, that's like saying, oh, you have sickness in your body, uh, uh, don't use medicine. After you get healed or after there is no sickness, then you take the medicine. What's the point of taking the medicine? The reason why you need the Holy Spirit is because you have a smoking problem. The reason you need the Holy Spirit in your life is because you have a drinking problem. The reason you, have the, you need the Holy Spirit is because you don't know how to treat your wife. You don't know how to treat your daughter. You don't know how to treat your husband. You don't know how to treat your son. That's the reason why. So to say, wait, clean up your life and then the Holy Spirit will come. For what? I can't clean up my life and therefore I need the Holy Spirit to come. That's the point of the gospel. See, it's, it's not clean up your life, then Jesus will come. Jesus will only come into clean houses. No, Jesus wants to come into dirty houses. Jesus wants to come into messed up houses. Jesus wants to come into broken houses, broken lives. And so when, when someone, that, that's why, do you remember this? Nobody that Jesus healed was a Christian. So to say, oh, first become a Christian and then God will heal, that, that's not the gospel. I don't care if you listen to it from, from, from a pulpit. It still doesn't make it the gospel. So to say, clean up your life, then the Holy Spirit will come. Mm -mm. 
No, no, no. I'm not telling you you don't have to clean up, but I'm saying the Holy Spirit is not afraid of your mess. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of your dirt. The Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit can transform the stuff that is taking place in your life. So you need the Holy Spirit so that you can stop smoking or so that you can stop drinking, so that you can stop doing the foolishness that is taking place in your life. Right? Are you getting that? So, so again, so when, when you're looking for a miracle, and so he says, uh, I say again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and the working of miracles among you because you obey the law? So, so now we're saying all of this, but, but somewhere in our minds, oh, so uh, maybe if I fast for seven days, then God will heal. Maybe if I fast for seven days, then God will do. When you are saying that, you're going back to this. So what happens is, rather than putting your faith in the goodness of God, rather than putting your faith in saying, Jesus, I, I messed up, but, but you're good. And I believe in you. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, come transform me, change me, mold me into who you need to be. That's the gospel. You're saying, even when you messed up, you're saying, I still believe in the goodness of God. I know what I did was wrong, but I'm looking back to the, I'm running back to the Father. I'm running back into the arms of Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the hope that you and I have. If that's not the case, then you and I don't have any hope. Every Sunday we can sit here, then by the time next Sunday, none of you, none, I can't show up to church if I need to be completely clean. Forget about you, there's not going to be a preacher in this church. Right? So there are things, see, you, you, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, most of the time, you're, okay, I'm not saying all of you will have, a, you know, uh, an adulterous relationship every week or you're going to get drunk and on the street. No, no, no. I'm saying, according to the law, even if you talk uh, 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 in a rude way uh, or if you get uh, unnecessarily angry upon someone, you've broken the law. If you watched a movie or watched a poster or something and a lustful thought went across because you saw that guy on the street or you saw that poster or you saw that woman, you've broken the law. None of us can make it. But what happens, we, even though we live in this world that is filled with sin, filled with all the filth of this world, what we're saying is, you know, we, we don't di dictate our lives living in fear. Oh my goodness, where is sin and I, how, how do I protect? How do I protect? How do I protect? It's... it's Living in the freedom that God has given you, saying, now I live unto God. I'm not bound by the law, but I live unto God in the freedom that he has given me, and I live a life that is pleasing unto him, because I place my faith in Christ Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. Let's continue. He says, uh, verse 6, I, uh, um, in the same way, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Now, for all the Jewish people that are sitting there, he's telling them, see, because the Judaizers are saying, you got to keep the law. You got to keep the law. You got to keep the law and then you will be saved. So Paul goes right on attack. He says, well, what about your great, 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 great grandfather? Right, this is where it started. Your father of the faith, right? Abraham. He says, let's talk about him. How did he get righteous? Did he get righteous by obeying the law? Did he get righteous by keeping the law? No, he did not. Abraham believed in God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So he's saying, wait, your founder, your father, 
didn't even become righteous by keeping the law. Why are you expecting others to do that? That's what Paul is saying here. Right? Your father became righteous by believing in God. Now verse 8. The, what's more? The scriptures say. Look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations will be blessed through you. The reason why he said all nations is because now there is no. There, anybody in this world can believe in Jesus and instantly they are blessed. And instantly they become a child of Abraham or the seed of Abraham. And so he says all nations of the world are blessed. So every nation, it doesn't matter the skin, the caste, the uh, uh, religion that you were born into. It doesn't matter any of those things. Once you place your faith in Christ, you are blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Verse 9 says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing of Abraham received because of their faith. Now here's what I want us to understand. It is our association by faith with Christ, right? It is our association by faith with Christ that lets us share in his blessings. It is our association by faith in Christ that lets us share in his blessing, not to the obedience of the law. It is, again, it is only by our faith in Christ that we obtain and maintain our, uh, our right standing before God, our blessing before God, our everything before God. It is not by the law that you and I try to keep by our own strength. Now, but those who, verse 10, but those who depend on the law who, uh, uh, to make them right before God are under the curse. For scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments and that's the key phrase see when paul talks about the law he's not just talking about the ten commandments that's the important thing that we need to understand he's talking about the 600 plus commandments and what he says is if you don't uh, uh, um, everyone who does cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in god's book of the law so it is clear no one is made right by, uh, with God by trying to keep the law for the scripture says it is through faith that a righteous person has life amen now this was one of the issues that the Judaizers and the Jewish people had during this time because in verse 10 it talks about uh, uh, those who depend on the law uh, to make them right uh, I'm sorry it says cursed is everyone who does not observe the law and obey all the commandments that are written in God's uh, uh, eyes. And um, let's see. Right under the, the right before. Okay, so, so when it starts talking about, I'm missing the verse, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under the curse for the scripture says. Okay, turn with me to uh, Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy 21. And I'll show you this very quickly. Deuteronomy 21 and uh, let's look at verse 22 it says if someone has committed a crime worthy of death and is ex executed and hung on a tree the body must not be uh, uh, remain hanging upon the tree overnight you must bury the body on the same day for anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God 
Okay, so one of the problems that the Jews had at that time is when they, they knew that particular scripture from the law. And now they see Jesus being hung on the cross. All right, the, the hung on the cross, hung on a tree, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, used interchangeably. And so for them, it, it is how can this be the Messiah if he's the cursed one? Right. So but what they did not understand is that the curse was put upon him for your sake and my sake. They did not understand that all they saw was this man is a cursed man. And if he's cursed by God, how can he be our Messiah? And that became a stumbling block to them. And that's why they could not believe in Jesus Christ. But what they needed to know is that that the, the, the curse was put on Jesus Christ, not because he was a sinner. Not because he committed any sin, but it was put on him for your sake and my sake. That's why it says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin, so that you and I can be made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's go back to Galatians uh, chapter 3. And then it says, so it is clear that no one is made right with God uh, by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a person... Uh, has life. Verse 12, this way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Again, he's comparing this way that what the Judaizers are saying, that gospel is very different to the gospel that I have preached, whereas the gospel that the Judaizers are preaching, it, they say that you are made right by observing the law. Let's jump to verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed all the Gentiles, that is you and me, right? With the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are blessed might receive the promised Holy Spirit by faith. Amen? Amen. Verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as one, uh, just as one can set aside or amend just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. And notice the scripture doesn't say to his children as it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. Now, here's what, what he is saying. All of you know that Abraham predates the law of Moses, right? So Abraham was first and then came the law of Moses. So what Paul is saying is, let's say Abraham is here, right? And then the law is introduced here. And then comes Christ, right? So God and Abraham had a covenant and an agreement, right? The blessing of Abraham, this is where it was established. Then. 430 years later comes the law through Moses. Now, the, the problem is just like the, the Abraham and the covenant goes all the way for eternity, we think that the law is also goes on forever. But that's the problem. The law does not go on forever and it was not established to live on forever for the rest of eternity. 
See, if, if we go on to um, read, it says verse 17. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses, right? So the law or, or the agreement that took place here is not broken when the law comes in. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Again, the blessing is not a reward, but the blessing is a promise, which means the blessing is a gift. It is not something that you earn. It is something that you receive by faith. Verse 19, here's the question that most people have. Why then was the law given? Right? Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Did you see that? The law was designed to only last until. Until the coming of the child who was promised. Who is the coming child? Christ Jesus. Did Jesus come into this world? Yes. So the law is given. Christ comes here. The law doesn't keep going. Until it stops. See, most, most Christians don't even know that. Until... It's not forever. This agreement is forever. It doesn't say anything about this agreement stopping. In fact, it says even when the law comes in, this agreement doesn't stop. That's what Paul is saying. But when the Christ comes, the law stops. And then he goes on to say, God gave his law through angels uh, God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave the promise to Abraham. In other words, Paul is again trying to say the, 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 the law of Moses is inferior to the promise that comes from Abraham. So he's saying when, when God had to deal with Abraham, he let the angels take care of it. But when God had to deal with Abraham, no angel came. There was no mediator. It was just Abraham and God. There was no mediators. But what, for, for Moses, there were mediators. So Paul is trying to say what you're dealing with with the law is way inferior to what the promise that, that, that comes from Abraham. Verse 21. If, is there any conflict between God's law and God's promise? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin. So, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Only by believing in Jesus Christ. It is not Jesus Christ plus what I can do. See, if you want to write this down as an equation, it's, it's, it's this. It's Jesus
It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's the work of Jesus plus none of your works that gets you a right standing before God. It's the work of Jesus, what was accomplished on the cross, and you simply believing. See, believing is something everyone in this world can do. There's, there, there's nobody that can say, mm, I can't believe. No, you choose not to believe. Right? There's no such thing as a, uh, a person who cannot believe. It's just you, be, you, be, you decide to believe something else. There's no such thing as a, really, there's no such thing as an unbeliever. You just believe in, in something different. Right? Even the, the, if you say, I don't believe in anything, well, you believe that you don't believe in anything. So it's impossible for a human being not to believe anything. You believe something. And so the God goes to the base level and he says, well, all of you can believe something. All I'm saying is believe. And if you believe, you've got it. Because there's no other way of coming to me and there's no other way of having a relationship with me. There's no other way of being made uh, or having a right standing with me. Because the separation between God and man is way too much. And it is impossible for man to obtain a right standing before God Almighty. And so you look at that and say, okay, it is the work of Jesus plus none of my work equals everything in my life. Equals everything in my life. It equals my relationship with God. It equals the blessing that I have from Him. It equals the peace that I have from Him. It equals the joy that I have from Him. It equals everything that I can ever think of in my life. And so that's why when you are going through situations in your life, the, the important thing is, wh where's your focus? Do, do you run to Jesus? Do you look to Jesus, the author? That's why the Bible says He is the author and the finisher of your faith. What is your faith of your belief? All you're saying is, Jesus, here's my belief. Here's my belief. And then, when the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you into doing certain things, you do as he leads you and guides you. But you don't say, because I can keep the law, because I can do the right thing, because I can give so much money uh, uh, to the poor, because I can give so much money to the church, now God is supposed to bless me. Because I can fast for seven days, now God is supposed to bless me. Because I went to this holy place, now God is supposed to bless me. See, that's why it's, it's you know, uh, even going to, uh, you know, Israel or Jerusalem or any of those sites, if you want to go, go. If you have the money to do it, do it. But don't think because you went there, now you have a special blessing. Uh-uh. There's nothing like that. There's nothing. Because the, the see, you, what you've got to understand is the gospel levels the playing field for everyone on this earth. So if you say there's a special blessing if you go to Israel, well, what, if, what about the guy who's a beggar who just got saved? How, how, how's he going to get on a flight? How, how's, how's he gonna, going to go? But believe. I don't care which country you're from, you can believe. I don't care if your legs are chopped off, you can believe. I don't care if you don't have senses all, all working in your body, you can still believe. Everyone can believe. And that's why he says, once you believe, in Christ and what he's done, instantly, you're the child of God. You're the seed of Abraham. The blessing of God is upon your life. 
And so now in your life, when you need uh, to make a decision in your life, you're not saying, okay, Jesus, uh, 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 okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? No, no, no. First, Jesus, I thank you that I have wisdom. You start there. You start there. So you're sick in your body. You say, oh, that's right. He died on the cross for me. And it's, the Bible says, by his stripes I'm healed. So let's start there first. It's not, oh, uh, 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 which prayer tower do I need to call? Oh, uh, uh, how much money I should? No, 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 no. See, for a lot of us, that's where we go. It's, it's what do I need to do? No, 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 no. What do you need to believe? That's the question. It's not what do I need to do. What do I need to believe? Believe Jesus. See, that's why when we say Jesus is the answer, he literally is the answer. It's, it's not a nice phrase. It's not a Christian phrase to use. He literally is the answer for everything. Literally answer for everything. So you start, you, you're having issues. Wait, what does Jesus say? What, what does his work on the cross mean to this situation? Believe. That's where you start. Now Jesus might say, and, and, and once you believe that, now God might say, hey, you know, I, I want you to get out of this situation as well. And here's what I want you to do. Go and bless that particular person with this much money. Go and give them this card. Go and buy them a pair of clothes. Go and buy them a biryani. Whatever it is, go and be a blessing to them. And then what do you do? By faith, you obey him. By faith, you obey him. And then you walk into the things that God has called you to. That's how you and I live in the freedom that comes from Jesus. Not being obstructed, not being, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, in this bondage of the law, but now in the freedom that comes from Christ. Why? Because you have this relationship with God, the freedom that comes. And so for everything, you just, you can run to God. And you say, God, I believe. Now, now tell me what I'm supposed to do so that I can navigate this situation in my life. God, I believe. I, I, I know that you want me to have a good marriage. Now, tell me what I'm supposed to tell my wife. Give me the right words when I'm supposed to talk to my daughter. Lord, I know you want me to have a good, good family, but my daughter is acting crazy right now. I don't know how to get across to her. Now, now help me, Lord. And then he helps you. That's how we're supposed to live. First believe, and then out of that belief comes out everything else in our lives. Now, very quickly, uh, verse 23. Uh, all right, verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. In other words, they did not know the way of faith. In other words, all they knew was do good, get good. Do bad, get punished. That's all they knew. So they, 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 there's no need of faith for that. There's no need of faith. See, for example, you guys have a contract with your employer. You do the job, you get the money. You don't do the job, you get fired. Simple contract, right? There, you, you don't go by faith for that. You don't say, oh, I'm going to work, but uh, um, I don't know if, I'll, if he'll pay me this one. You don't work for companies that do that, don't, do you? No, right? So you go, you work, and you know, well, I don't, this doesn't need faith. I, I signed the contract. He's going to have to pay me. That's it. Now he says the way of faith is different. 
The way of faith is, there's, it's not because of something that's written in the law and because you obey and something is being re reciprocated. He said, before any of that came, he's already given to you. He says, before, before you even thought about being saved, he already saved you. Now, whether you receive that gift or not, it's up to you. That's what, that's what the gospel is. That's what the way of faith is. Before you ever got sick, you were already healed. Before you ever got depressed, you already had the joy of the Lord in you. That's the, that, see, before you ever went through a storm, before you went through any problems in your life, the peace of God was already given to you. He didn't say, oh, you're going through problems? Oh, that's poor you. That, well, keep the law. I'll give it to you. No, no, no. He said, oh, poor you. You don't, you don't, you know, you, you're still struggling with those situations? Okay, fast for seven days, then I'll give you my peace. No, no, no. He says, I, I've already given you the peace. Receive by faith. I've already given you joy. Receive by faith. See, that's why, even, by the way, uh, even when we worship, I, uh, you know, I want us to be a church that worships, and, 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 and please don't think that, uh, 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 you know, worship is just some kind of appetizer for the main meal. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's it, I mean, to be really honest, the preaching should cause us to worship. So, so you know, you know, make coming to church on time and being a part of worship a priority in your life. See, and that's why even when you worship, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm, you know, some, some of you based on personality, you don't like to clap, you don't like to lift hands, you just stand there. Please understand, this is not about a performance. This is not about getting excited. It is, when you raise your hands, when you clap, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You're doing it by faith. See, that's why the, the, the song that we're singing, God, you're so good. See, you can stand there and say, what the heck is he good with? I'm going through this problem, that problem, that problem, and this problem. And you can just stand there and you can look. Or, another, or you can say, Man, I'm going through hell right now. It's been tough. I'm getting hit on every side. I don't know what to do. But you know one thing I do now? God, you're so good to me. That's worshiping by faith. That's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. That, see, that's why worship is not about you. It's worship. You're not worshiping yourself. You're worshiping God. And when, that's why you, when you come to worship, begin to practice worshiping by faith, trusting in what he has done for you, trusting in the goodness that he has done uh, 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 towards your life. Okay, quickly, uh, verse uh, 24. He says, let, let me put it another way. The law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Until, until. I want you to get that. Until. All right. Verse 25. And now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as a guardian. I'm not saying that. The Bible is saying that. So don't go around saying, you know, Ben says, throw away the law. I didn't tell you to throw away the law. I'm saying the way you live in the liberty that comes with Christ is understanding that the law is not meant for you today and you are not supposed to live in accordance to the law. Verse 26, for, all, for you all are 
children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise of Abraham belongs to you. Amen? See, it's, it's understanding that the way of faith is the, see, or, or let me say it this way. To live by faith is to live by the promise. To live by faith is to live by the promise. To live by the promise is to live by faith. Right? To live by faith is to live by the promise. To live by the promise is to live by faith. To live by the law is to live by works, and to live by works is to live by the law. See, anytime you, you, your mind starts going to the place where it says, I did this and therefore God has to. You're living by the law. You're living based on your works. But when you say, I live by faith, you're saying, I live by the promise. What is that promise? All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Which one do you want to pick? All of them are yes and amen, which means let it be done. Let it be done. Which one do you want to pick? God's just looking down and saying, you have the choice. You pick what you want. They're all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They're not based on your works. They've been freely given. It's a gift of God. Now, here's the thing. To walk by faith, there are certain, you know, to, so does that mean I can do whatever I want and, and just by faith? Yeah, but you doing whatever you want is going to affect your faith. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. See, you can't grow in faith doing whatever you want in the flesh. So you can, you can say, oh, so I can continue in my stupidity outside in the world, and, and so I just have to believe, so I don't have to do anything. Well, yeah, but your belief is going to be affected by what you're doing in the world. Why? Because your belief has to do with your thinking, your mind, your will, your emotions. And you keep doing the wrong things over and over again. What's going to happen? Your mind is getting affected. Your thinking is getting affected. You're being deviated. And so, for, for example, what, why is it to, uh, important to have uh, uh, good friends in your life? Why is it important to hang around the right people? Is it that if God sees you hanging around the wrong people, he's going to put a curse upon you? No. If you're a Christian, the blessing is upon you. But here's the problem. You hang around the wrong crowd long enough, their thinking becomes your thinking. Their habits become your habits. Now, very soon, you can be someone that, that was born in, the, uh, uh, you know, in a Christian family, goes to church and doing all of these things, but a couple of years later, you don't even want to have anything to do with church. You don't even want to have anything to do with the Bible. All you can think about during the free time. Yeah, here's the thing. You were born in the church. You were raised in the church. And somehow, by the time you hit your 20s, you don't even want to come to church unless you're forced by your parents. What happened? Did God curse you all of a sudden? No. But the things in your life affect the way you think. And because of that, it affected your faith. And because of that, now you no longer are accessing the grace, the gift that God has given to you. 
that's why we read the Bible. That's why we meditate on the word. That's why we pray. That's why we come to church. That's why we worship. We do all of those things, not because we are trying to obtain a relationship with God. We do all of those things because we have a relationship with God, because he has given to us, because he has been gracious to us, because he loves us, because he has done all of those things. We say, God, you're so good to me. Your loving kindness is overflowing in my life. Goodness and mercy follows me for the rest of my life. And you declare the promises of God over your life by faith. You declare the promises. So to live by faith is to live by the promise. To live by the promise is to live by faith. And that's the way we're supposed to live in our lives. Amen.